This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. It feels a little bit weird this week, Mark. I'm not going to do my normal intro because, you know, I'm just, I don't know what to talk about, Mark. Because, of course, in, in the pandemic that is coronavirus at the moment, we are out of sport. And it feels a bit weird, doesn't it? I mean, we're not looking face-to-face. We're, we're currently in isolation. Yeah, it's probably a good thing, mate. I've got a bit of a, a bit of an itchy voice, a bit of an itchy throat. Um, yeah, so who knows? <sighs> Let's hope it's not coronavirus, but otherwise all good, not short of breath, still doing a bit of training, so I'm good. Um, But yeah, I think it's best for both that we actually do it from afar this week. Since we um, did our last episode, it's just gone crazy, hasn't it? I think it was the night I remember when uh, Arsenal had announced that that Mikel Arteta had tested positive. Just seems from then on, everything's just exploded and got, you know increased at a rate of knots. So you saying that Mikel Arteta is the reason why the Premier League has stopped? Is, that, is that what you're saying? Words into my mouth. I, I, but that's that's exactly my what I'm interpretation saying. of what you've just said. I can't believe you're blaming your own manager, your club, for the downfall of the Premier League I, and the football game I, in this country. No, I'm blaming the owner of Olympiacos. Thank you very much. If there's yeah. going to be some deflection, sort of... the art of deflection at its best, Ollie Gill. <laughs> one of the greats. One of the greats. Uh, now, Mark, for this uh, week's uh, bottle of red here on the Two Sharp Reds, it's a controversial one because I've I- wanted a little treat for us. Um, so I've gone for a French wine. But what's difficult about uh, the the this is called the Louis Jadot. Uh, is everything on the label is in French. Oh. <laughs> There's not one lick of English on it. Uh, Google Translate. So I wanted, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it, um, but it's it's very complicated. But uh, I guess we just might have to trust our you know unprofessional noses in this situation. I thought you you know your generation. Listen, the generation Google mate Google translation. You know, there's an app that you can actually hold it over it and it'll translate it for you. Come on, are you not up to speed with this stuff? No, I'm a traditionalist, Mark. You know that. Yeah, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm traditionalist at heart. So, look, let's just uh, let's get stuck in, uh, and hopefully it's a good bottle of red. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Okay, so it's an interesting one for us, isn't it, Mark? I mean, I suppose, where do we start? It's Obviously, we haven't seen footballing action for, for quite a little while now, and, and actually just sport in general. I mean... What have you been doing to, to pass the time? I've, I've been watching a lot of the greyhound racing because that just seems to be about the only thing on. 
Really, that's getting desperate. Yeah, I mean, for me, what happened was they, they announced that uh, on the weekend that the, 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 the Women's Super League netball was postponed indefinitely as well. So once that happened, I had nothing else to watch. Um, that yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, closed shop. So no, listen, we've just been been plodding around doing bits and pieces around the house, I have to be, have to be fair to say. Um, family time, because obviously my kids are all back. Funny enough, my daughter actually has to go back to university today because they're still open, which is absolutely crazy. Stitch up. So, That's ridiculous. Yeah, but she'll probably, I mean, the talk is within the next sort of uh, four or five to ten days that everything will shut down anyway, so she'll be back very, very shortly, and hopefully not uh, coronavirus in tow. Um, so, yeah, just spending quality time together at night time, yeah, it's been on whatever it's been, Netflix, whatever it is, Amazon Prime, checking out movies, series, and we all kind of congregate around the TV and... My son and I are playing a, a, a football game on our on our phones um, together, and and uh, the fo- the movies on in the background. Well, it's been interesting to see what some of the clubs have been doing, and also the players uh, to kill the time. And one thing uh, I noticed on the weekend, Southampton uh, tried to get a game going with Norwich of Norts and Crosses on Twitter, uh, and it was very funny because it was it reached the halfway point in the game, and Norwich hadn't responded. So Man City tapped in in a controversial substitution. They played a game of Norts and Crosses, which was great. But then also. Leeds uh, live-streamed a game of FIFA against Cardiff. Uh, that I'm telling you, Mark, it's the future in eSports. It's crazy. This shows how sort of frustrated we are with the lack of football, that over 50,000 people viewed it and actually watched it. Um, and, it and it was a great game. I don't know if you watched it, but if, you, if you're starved of entertainment, mate, watch a game of FIFA. It's great. Uh, no, mate, I'm sorry, but you know, I haven't quite got that desperate yet. Um, no, it's not something that I tend to do regularly. But I know what you're saying. I know there is an audience, there, there is interest. And listen, uh, this is the time when we, we, you know, there's some creative ideas out there. You know, we're going to improvise. And, and I'm sure that's only going to get better. So we've heard a few whispers as to what might happen to the leaks. Um, and of course, one thing we absolutely do know is that there's going to be uh, a waterfall effect on all of this. You know, everything is going to affect everything. Uh, all the way down from the Premier League to National League and, and sort of keeps going, I suppose. But from your understanding, have they? is there a short list of possible options that might happen when it comes to the Premier League? I don't know if there's actually a fixed short list. I know that the various uh, media outlets over here in the UK, they've come up with different ideas and there seems to be this, this kind of trend of forward viable kind of options that potentially could come into place. But obviously what has to happen is all of the clubs need to agree to it. And if it's, say, for example, if there are any effects, if we're only talking about the Premier League, it's all of the clubs in the Premier League. And I think they need a majority of 14 teams to vote in favour. Um, and it's only a very slight majority. So uh, that, that's, that's a possibility. Um, but if it then includes... All the divisions, which inevitably will, because we're talking about promotion and relegation and so forth, it has to be not only the Premier League, but all of the rest of the leagues. The, the EFL will then have to degree, uh, agree with it, as well as non-league football. So, I mean, option one is to null and void the season completely. To say, right, draw a line in the sand, that's it. We're not going to fulfil it. Let's just write it over. We finish the season right now, and no one's awarded anything and effectively everyone just stays as they are and next season we kick off again as if it were the beginning of this season which I think is absolutely ludicrous I don't think you can do that Um, first and foremost Liverpool deserve to win the title we've played 29 games some have played 28 games more than three quarters of the way through the season 
So therefore, you're going to have to award. For me, it's, it's in a position where it needs to be awarded. There are obviously other ramifications that come with that regarding European qualification, relegation, and so forth. So then you have option two, finish the league whenever you can. So regardless of how long it takes you, um, you finish the league. But then that, that's just an open book because we don't know how long this is going to be for. We don't know whether it may only, it may be like November, December before we can start playing again. So I don't think you can allow the league to go for that long. Um, the third option is end it as it is right now, the league. So exactly the same positions as they are. So the teams who are currently in European places will maintain those positions. Teams who are currently in relegation will be relegated. I also don't think that's a fair way of doing it. Um, but it has, it has enormous amount of ramifications that go along with it. I just think it opens up a, a huge problem for, for football in general, um, all across Europe. If, if everyone were to adopt the same sort of regulations, is that imagine the legal ramifications that would come into ensue uh, oh. off the back of that. And the fourth option, which I'm actually warming to, I, I, I kind of like the idea, is that what you do is uh, Liverpool are, are awarded the, 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 the Premier League title. And, and what it actually also does is it means that the teams currently in European places would keep those places as they are, which that's the grey area for me. The rest of it, I'm in fa- favour of. So basically what happens is nobody gets relegated uh, in any of the leagues across all the divisions. And the two teams that are top from each of the, the, the leagues below, so for example, as we see now in the Championship, Leeds and West Brom would be promoted into the, the Premier League and you would add an additional two teams to the Premier League. So, which would mean, as of next season, you would have five teams being relegated. I think that's brilliant. I love that idea. I just think it adds another excitement altogether. The problem you have is, so not only do you have the European places that are still open for dispute, and there are potential legal ramifications with that, you also look at the teams in the, in the, low, in the divisions below in those playoff positions. If you take the Championship, for example, from position three all the way down to Blackburn Rovers, who I think are about ninth or tenth in the league, those those playoff positions are very, very much up for grabs for all those teams. So there's huge ramifications there in place. So it, whichever option you look at out of those four, there are problems that you're going to come across. I think that's the, the scary thing. And one thing is for certain, I would not want to be anywhere near the board that makes these decisions because as you touched on, there's so many, uh, arguably endless amounts of options. And no matter which way you look at it, Mark, like, you, you're going to disappoint someone. <laughs> you're going to really, it's going to, it's going to really affect someone. As you touched on some of those teams, Sheffield United, they are going to be so stiff if they're not given the chance to, to rightfully try and make a European spot all the way down to League Two. You know, these, there are some teams that that you know are desperately relying on promotion to to save their financial situation, and and they might very well do that if they're given the opportunity to play eight or nine more games. Yeah, but so I, it's going to drastically affect someone. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I get that teams do invest more heavily one season to the other. But if you put yourself in such a financial predicament that your survival relies on just getting promotion, that's your own fault because anything can happen well, throughout a, this whole yeah. season. I, I, That's I, what's happening with Leeds at the moment. You know, if they've got a selection of players that they 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 compulsorily have to buy them uh, next season, or they have to buy them, you know, if they make the Premier League or, or you know X amount. So they're in a position now where if they don't make it, they're they're stuffed. 
Well, they're going to lose players, yeah, of course. And, 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 but that could have also have happened because we've seen Leeds time and time again falter at the final hurdle. And this is generally the time when they falter. I mean, I, I know they did falter a couple of weeks ago and they've sort of picked themselves up again. But nothing's a foregone conclusion. But if you look at the championship, West Brom and Leeds are seven and six points uh, ahead of third place Fulham. So they have got a little bit of a buffer, but there's more than enough games to make it up. Um, so, it, so if you're saying that nothing's a foregone conclusion, then why do you feel comfortable in giving the Premier League to Liverpool? Well, they're 25 points clear. They need three more games to win the title at nine, yeah, but, nine games to go. No, I, I, I know. There is that doubt. What will happen is it might, there'll always be an asterisk. If, if we don't fulfil the season, there'll always be an asterisk next to Liverpool's name as champions to say season incompleted, you know, nine games to go, whatever it was. But I still, I don't think there's many people around that would deny that Liverpool deserve to win the title. Uh, no. I think if you put all, all of the, the, the rivalry aside and just take it as a non-biased opinion, I don't think there's many people who would say that they shouldn't win it. I, I, I think they've more than deserved to win it without physically winning it. But they're very, very, very close to doing so. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think you, you've got to give it. Let, let's be honest, we don't know how long this is going to be for. And the, the other issue you've got is the longer there are no games being played, there are fitness worries to, to, to take into consideration. Yeah. You can't just go from one day to the next and go, right, we're back playing games again. Um, you could do it now, in the next couple of days, next week, but you, beyond that, it's going to be very, very difficult. And if you look at the current world climate and the way that it's kind of uh, been, been, been going on around, particularly around the rest of Europe, you know, in Italy, it kind of were, were at the very front of it. They are still suffering massively. And what are we talking? Probably two weeks down the line, three weeks down the line. The numbers still go up. The deaths still go up, unfortunately, which is just a travesty. And, and if we look at England, we're about two weeks behind them. So... I don't think there's any real possibility of any football, any sport being played for at least another six weeks to, to two months. So taking that into consideration, which means then the restrictions are going to become more stringent. So therefore, teams even can't come together to train, which I don't think they should. And then say we were into the first, say we were in, in, into to May and everything started to clear up a little bit, which is, which is about six weeks away. Does that mean they, they will need at least three to four weeks to prepare to start effectively the season again? And then we're talking June, July to finish the season. And that's for me, it's viable if, if they're able to start back to training in the first week of May. If not, we're talking then there's serious issues about knock-on effects to the next season how, how long do you go for? How long do you continue to finish, try and finish the season? The other thing is, we've heard from already Virgil van Dijk about you know, how disappointed he would be if they continued the season somehow, but just with no fans in the stadium. I mean, imagine that. You'd almost, from Liverpool's perspective, you'd say, oh, look, I'd rather not win it. It just wouldn't feel the same, would it? You know, if you're rewarded it, you got it, but no one was there to see it to celebrate with you, well, it would feel just as big of an asterisk as, as an incompleted season. Well, that's your issue. So you, you can't play in front of fans because there's no, that mass gatherings are not allowed. So you win the title behind closed doors and you're encouraging hundreds of thousands of people to come out and celebrate in a mass horde of people because that's what people want to do. And, and, and you understand why they want to do it, but it's madness to allow it to happen. 
Um, you know, people will put their health, and if not only their own health, they'll put other people's health at risk. And the way we see with this virus, it's not affecting the young people, it's affecting the elderly. And that's where, mm. you know, the younger people have a, a responsibility, a massive responsibility, even though in large parts of the world, people are still not taking it seriously enough. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. And just while I, I Google translate this French wine uh, for us, Mark, um, I, I want you to, to take your uh, take you out of your comfort zone for a second uh, and just discuss what might happen in Australia with Australian rules football because I know your thoughts and feelings on the sport as a code. Um, there's that, that an intense rivalry that we all know about. But the seasons, in terms of the men, is supposed to start on Thursday behind closed doors. They've already reduced it to a 17-round season. If this was the opposite way around, so let's say that coronavirus had interrupted the AFL season and we were just about to start the Premier League. If you were in, you know, involved with the Premier League, surely you'd be saying, well, let's just not play it. Let's not start it to then halfway through, you know, lose out on on you know the rest of the season what 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 do you think do you think that they should give it a go or or just delay it until we're all good to go i I think i think you know australia is very much behind um the 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 pandemic outbreak it seems to be that it's going to be with it's it's imminent people are infected in australia and as we've seen with and i'm no expert by any means and you can see how it's how it's progressed around other parts of europe why is Australia going to be any different? It's going to explode. And that, that to me, just seems a, a, a no-brainer. Why start? Japan, take Japan's lead. They, they postponed the beginning of the J-League for this reason alone. They know that it's going to explode. It's going to happen. It's going to come to their country. It's going to be an issue. So why not let's postpone it for now? And, and, I, and I, 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 listen, I, I think it's madness. I think it's mad. I mean, listen, they're still playing non-league football here in this country. How the government yeah. doesn't put a halt to it is beyond me. They've just announced now that racing, horse racing, is all going to be behind closed doors. You know, they're still persisting. It's, it's just madness. I've figured out, by the way, uh, what, uh, a little bit more about this wine, thanks to your, your best friend, Google Translate. <laughs> um, it, it might be a bit of an interesting translation for you here, um, but it's a classic fruity feel. Uh, with real depth enhanced by granite soil, uh, they believe. So it's a succulent fruit and has soft tannins, which I'm sure you can taste. Um, and it's created by traditional fermented methods. And they suggest that you drink it within three years of its vintage. So this is the 2018 Louis Jardot. So one more year, Mark, and we wouldn't have been able to have it. No, mate. Luckily, you got it when you did. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Mark, during this time, we've heard a lot of funny stories here and there about players and, you know, I, I touched on what they're doing to kill the time. I saw a great video of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and his girlfriend, Perry Edwards, doing a dance up the stairs. And I tell you what, I don't know if you've seen it, but I thought, mate, fair enough if you're doing it, but don't post it because there's no way someone whose bones are made out of wheat bix like his is, like he could have tripped over within two seconds. Imagine that. Yeah, it would have been quite hilarious, I think. It would have gone, definitely would have gone yeah. viral. I mean, it was, obviously, I'm sure it's a popular video as it stands, but imagine how viral that would have gone oh. in today's society with, uh, I mean, it would have been more viral than coronavirus. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is saying something, Mark. It is. Um, but your old, uh, did you ever play with Cesc Fabregas? I did, or yes. Did you, you, yeah. What was he like as, was, a, yeah. as a guy? 
No, really good. No, listen, great professional, uh, born winner, came with this this air of you know demanding to win at all costs and everything and wanted to play and uh, very, very, I mean, unbelievable reading of the game. What a brain. Um, you know, and, and it was probably, you know, after about six months, it was probably kind of already obvious that he, you know, he didn't have that pace anymore, didn't have the ability to get around uh, the, the, the football pitch like he used to. But his vision, his, his array of passing was, was excellent. Um, and uh, no, he was, a, he was a phenomenal player to play with. I was wondering if you know uh, a little bit about Cesc Fabregas's bet that he had with Willy Caballero, saying that uh, Fabregas revealed that he bought Caballero a Range Rover when they played together at Chelsea. Yeah, it was a beat up old uh, Range Rover, wasn't it? Um, that a bet. It was a penalty, a penalty shootout bet, and uh, Willy saved his penalty. and uh, And and the forfeit was that he went to a, a junkyard and, and bought him a banged up old uh, Land Rover. That's great. Oh, it's brilliant. That is great. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's, is this the sort of thing that, that happens behind closed doors at football clubs? Yeah, I think it was kind of reminiscent of, of back in the day, like Leeds United. I remember that group of players. They, they, I think it was one of those, those three-wheeler cars they went and bought. And, um, yeah. and uh, whoever lost on that particular day or that week had to drive it in an, you know, to, to training every day and also on match day had to drive that car. So it was a sense of trying to embarrass them. It was a, it was a great practical joke that was going on for, for quite some time. Do you know if there was any truth? I remember something you know coming out that David Louise had bought all of his Chelsea teammates. Was it a ring or a car or something when they won the league? Do you know if there was any truth in that? No, I can't help you on that one, mate. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so he, he, he didn't get you. A, he didn't get you a ring then. Yeah, listen, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a sore, a sore <laughs> subject, mate. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, it happened to me twice. David Louise didn't buy me anything, and uh, you know the chairman of uh, the late chairman of Leicester City didn't buy me one of those cars either. So it's a bit of a sore story, yeah, but, mate. Sore but point. You know what? You don't deserve it because you were invited to go to Jamie Vardy's place for the party when they watched. Uh, you know, the, them win the league, and you didn't go because you had renovations at home. Yeah, but, well, see, there's I, no way you deserved a prize. I can't believe you, you're giving me stick and saying that I don't deserve a free car because I didn't go to Jamie Vardy's birthday party. I, I thought <laughs> it was a dead cert opportunity just to say, hang on a second, how many games did you play? And I would have said, no. nothing, none, zero. I sat on the bench for every game. That's why I didn't deserve anything. <laughs> no, I disagree. Mate, it was the party of the year, it looked like, and you hadn't even... You, you essentially were in a Willy Wonka situation. You had been handed the golden ticket and just like Augustus Gloop selfishly dipped himself into the chocolate river, you said, no, I won't be going. Thousands yeah. of people yeah, across absolutely. the world would like to be at this party, but no, thank you. I'm Mark Schwartz. I'm a bit yeah, too it's, cool. It's there are like, renovations to yeah, do. It's, it's like anything. You're there. They're in that group. It's just like, yeah, Jamie Vardy's having a party. No. Yeah, so what? They're gonna Mark, it's not like anything. That's not going to ever happen again, and you missed out on it. Well, he'll have plenty of parties. There's no doubt he'll have plenty of parties. He's always having not a party. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
there. No, probably not. not. But you know what? You know what? That didn't bother me. It still doesn't bother me to this day that I didn't go. I just thought it was a bit corny, actually. I have to admit, Why? I thought it was a bit corny. Everyone being there and they had, they had a TV crew there filming it all. I just thought that was bother. I mean, I, it wasn't for me. I was just like... No, mate, if Leicester are probably never... I mean, maybe, let's yeah. assume, they're never going to win the Premier League ever again. Unfortunately, when they won it, they weren't actually playing. You know, that would have been fantastic. I'm sure you would have taken your top off and celebrated with your vest top underneath, like, you know, in true Schwarzer style then. No, no, I, I've progressed you, from that now. What do you do? I, I work in the gym a lot more, so I actually would have taken my vest off as well. <laughs> oh, look out. But, no, I... I think I think you've got your your radar was all wrong on that one. It wasn't corny at all. No, just, I, I, listen, no, it was for me. It was because I didn't play a single game. I, no, listen, don't get me wrong, right? I, I mean, what what the team accomplished was incredible. It was it was ima- amazing. But for me, on the on the peripheral of that, I I was like. I was just happy enough to be involved and to watch it and have a front row seat. And literally, I, had, I was there with popcorn and watched every week. I had one of the best seats in the house. And that, that's how it was. And I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. And that's how it was. And so it is. So for me to go to a party and celebrate the team winning the title, yeah, I celebrated afterwards. Like, you know, we, we had a few drinks later on during the week um, after the trophy was handed to, to the club, that second last game of the season. It was, it was a... It was a week long of celebrations, which you can understand, and it carried on afterwards on a, on a trip to Thailand as well. I'm sure it did. It did. I'm sure it, and I assume you just said no, thank you, club. Um, <laughs> I know that this is a monumental victory for everyone involved with the town of Leicester and the club, but I don't want to go. No, no, I think it's I, corny. No, we. I went. I went, and uh, it was nice to be part of it. Um, I did feel a bit embarrassed at times. I mean, the team bus tour. I didn't. I sat up top for a little bit, and then went down below because. You know, it was it was it was a great occasion, and and the guys got you know got all invited up on a stage, and there was two hundred and fifty thousand people there, which was insane to see. Um, and pictures that possibly Leicester will never ever see again. Who knows? Maybe they will. But um, it was it was an incredible occasion, incredible event, um, and like I said, the guys were insane that season. Mark, one thing that Optus Sport has been doing uh, or will continue to do, which is excellent in this time of uh, lack of football, is uploading some mini classic games. Um, and there's some absolute belters on there. So head to, uh, head to Optus Sport to, to make sure you can check some of those mini classics out because there's some sensational ones. But I wanted to ask you about possibly some of your favourite games. If, if I can put the pressure on, is there a top three? Can we sort of work out Mark Schwartz's top three favourite games of all time? Okay, um, yeah, there, there are. There, there is a top three, and uh, I suppose yeah, I'll give you. A, I'll give you in reverse order. So number three, and of course, you know, there's an argument out there to say, well, hang on, are these really the best games ever? Two of them I actually played in. So right. you've got to put it in context, into context, and, and, and I'll explain it along the way. So the first one was in 1998, December 19th to be precise, away at Old Trafford, Manchester United against Middlesbrough. Bearing in mind the teams, uh, Manchester United, Schmeichel, Neville, Jonsson, Irwin, Neville, Beckham, Butt, Giggs, Keane, Cole, Sheringham. On the bench, <laughs> on the bench was uh, Skulls and Solskjaer. You know, the, the sure. goal-scoring phenomenon. Handy. Yeah. Yeah, handy. Handy score. Our lineup was me and goal, Jean-Luc Festa, Steve Vickers, Colin Cooper, Gary Pallister, of course, everyone knows, Dean Gore, Neil Madison, Robbie Musto, Andy Townsend, 
Brian Dean and Hamilton Rickard. That was our team. <laughs> Just as handy, Mark. Just, Just as, as handy, handy. yeah. <laughs> anyway, what was the score? We beat Manchester United at Old Trafford 3-2. We were up 3-0. They scored in the 62nd and 70th minute Manchester United. We had a little bit of a wobble at the end. However, we held on and a very, very famous victory at Old Trafford for Middlesbrough back in December 19, um, 1998. So for me, that was one of the, the best games, performances, and also that underdog thing. Going to Old Trafford against that team and that era um, was, was pretty sensational. What's it like playing at the Theatre of Dreams? I'm, I'm having a look at the scorecard of that game in particular. 55,152 people attended that game. Um, and against that particular side, you know, let, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush. It'd be special no matter what. But if you played it at Old Trafford, against this current squad, it probably wouldn't be as intimidating. But those players that you've read out, I mean, that must be an incredible feeling, playing at Old Trafford against those well, players. They were, they were almost unbeatable. They were the, like, you know, they were the team that, that kind of was winning title after title. And, and it was almost like you went to Old Trafford and you, you know you're going to be absolutely pounded. And, and there's a poss- the strong possibility, if not almost inevitability, that you're going to lose the game no matter how well you, you, you kind of played. But on this particular day, and, and it kind of was a bit of a trend, particularly at home, we had a pretty good record against Manchester United throughout that period. Um, and there was, a, there was a spate of games where we went to Old Trafford where we actually got results, whether it was a draw or, or, or the odd win. Um, and and it, was, it was pretty sensational. So it, it's an it's a amazing place to go and play, uh, the atmosphere. And, and also in those days, the crowd... The crowd would, even though they were losing 3-0, the crowd lifted and the place came to life. And the more they lifted, the more we retreated. The more they came to us, the bigger they got. And you just thought, oh my God, are we even, even at 3-0 up going to hold on? And it became one of those games. And, and uh, in the end, I mean, bearing in mind also, we had Brian Robson as, as the manager, Viv Anderson, Gordon McQueen uh, as one of the first team coaches. So all ex-Man United players. And then we had Gary Pallister in the team. So it, it, was, it was pretty significant, um, and uh, it was an amazing result, amazing performance. I, mean, I remember it to this day very, very clearly. We were just sensational. Gary Pallister was, like, he was beside himself. He, was almost, he, he almost couldn't run, walk anymore, off, uh, like, in the last 10 minutes. He was so, you know, he was so tired. He was so absolutely knackered. Okay, let's move down the list. Number two in Mark Schwartz's top three. Number two goes down as probably the general public as one of the best games ever to be played in the Premier League. And it was truly sensational. And normally it'd be number one. It'd be my number one as well. But, you know, like I said, because two out of the three games I actually played in, so I'm going to have to be a bit biased. Uh, It was Liverpool at home against Newcastle back in 1996, which ended at 4-3. I mean, I remember it. I remember watching it on TV. Actually, at the time, I didn't actually have the Sky subscription. I remember sitting in a pub with one of my teammates at the time, watching it on TV and just going, this is insane. This is just an incredible game, that end-to-end stuff. Les Ferdinand, David Ginola, Asprilla on target for Newcastle. I mean, the, the lead flowed from back and forth um, from each team. Robbie Fowler scored two and did, and did uh, Stan Collymore. So it was one of those games. It was also Kevin Keegan was the manager of Liverpool. Uh, sorry, of Newcastle. You saw the emotion, the... The the, the the defeat in the end to the when that fourth goal went in, just the sheer unbelievable, couldn't understand how they lost that game, played so well, but again, against Liverpool side that never gave up 
and were, were, were top, top notch. And it was one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. So if you're a player, I assume that you want to try and, especially from a goalkeeper's perspective, you want to keep a clean sheet. So a 1-2-0 or two nil victory is probably better than winning 4-3. But from a fan's perspective, are you, are you a bit more of the ilk that the more goals, the better? Uh, if you're at home, and if I were Liverpool at home, I'd be going, oh, I'd be upset about conceding goals. But then sometimes you go, well, you know what? It's the way the game flows. And ultimately, it's about picking up three points. And to have won a thrilling game like they did, and it goes down in history. I mean, at the time, they realised how good a game it was, but I don't think they realised how, how long it would be lasting, how lasting this, this game would have in people's minds. And it, like you said, we still talk about today as one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever Premier League game to have been played. So to, to have been part of that and to have won is very, very special, I, thought, I would think. And drum roll, please. Yes. Mark Schwartz's number one favourite classic game. Yeah, Where and, were we heading? And this has got nothing to do with you know, the fact that you're an Arsenal fan, all right? It, it's it's not going to do with that at all. I, I did have a chuckle when I thought of it because I thought straight away, yes, this is going to hit, hit the right tone. This is going to hit the right <laughs> note. And, and, and I asked you off air, and you don't remember the game. Obviously, it was in 2001. Nope. Um, it was at, at Highbury, which was a dream place to play. Loved it. One of my f- most favourite grounds to have played on in the Premier League um, or in the world. It was such a, an amazing place to have played. Uh, iconic. The closeness of it, the fans, even though it was still just, on, what, 37, nearly 38,000 people there, jam-packed in this stadium and they felt like they were on top of you. Anyway, so we, we went there and... You know, Arsenal are a neck and neck with Manchester United uh, to win the Premier League title. And it's at this point where if one loses, the other could win the title. And uh, there's only a couple of games left in the season. Anyway, we go, we go, to, we go to Ivory and we're, we're up against it. We've got no chance. On paper, we've got no chance. And I'll, I'll read, you the, read you the teams. Arsenal had Seaman, Dixon, Adams, Keown, Silvino, Edu, Lundberg, Perez, Vieira, Henri... And Kanu. Sylvan Wiltord and Ray Parler came on. And then I'll read the Middlesbrough team. Me in goal, Steve Vickers, Hugo Ekiog, Jason Gavin, Republic of Ireland young kid, played it, uh, I think he played it right back that day. Dean Gordon, Paul Ince, Christian Karambu, Paul Ocon for Australian fans out there, Alan Boxich, Hamilton Rickard, and the big, famous, and notorious Dean Windass. Wow. And I mean, on paper, that's a that's a four nil drumming to yes, Arsenal. Yes, correct. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know I've been to I've been to Highbury and lost games and been. Com- I mean, that was the time again. This is an era, an Arsenal era of team of players, where we lost at home six one to to Arsenal. Carno scored that infamous. I call it infamous backhill. Um, that. Uh, that uh, I think it was at 5-1 or something like that, or 5-0 at the time. We, we actually went up. Most of our fans had left the stadium already. All of Arsenal fans obviously were still there. It was a healthy, healthy number of them. And they all cheered when we scored to give us support. Um, it was unbelievable. So to, go, to have gone to Highbury and win the game, we beat them. Not only we beat them, we beat them 3-0. And we, that was on a Saturday afternoon, which meant... That result meant that Manchester United won the title the next day without playing a game. Well, they'd already won it that night then without playing a game. 
Um, and the stories are, are quite are quite well known. Apparently, that they actually went out uh, all that night and and drank and stayed up very very late, and the next day were very hungover um, when they had to play a Premier League game. So you can imagine um, the only the only slight hiccup with this, and and it's not a reflection of the game itself, but Arsenal's first two goals they considered were own goals. Edu and Silvino scored an own goal <laughs> each, and Hamilton Ricard scored the uh, the third. But it's not a reflection of that we were lucky. We actually played really, really well, and we put them under that much pressure. That's why they considered the own goals. So how the hell do you get away with a victory like this with that team? Do you, you know, does it not beg the question mm. when you play in a game like that? As he said, away from home, which is huge. Yes. Do you not go back into the changing room and go, all right, boys, can we just do this every week? Yeah. What's going on? Why, why can't we do this every week? Well, that's why, that's why I think also for football fans, it gives them a sense of, it, it, it's unre- unreasonable. Unre- the reality is, is non-existent because you look at that mm. and you go, how can my team do this away at Highbury, but then go and lose the next week at home to, I don't, I don't know, a team in a relegation position? It's not, it's not normal. But it's, I think it was more of a case. Listen, we played out of our skins, and I think Arsenal completely underestimated us. I think they thought, right, this is another three points, and we've got this in the bag. And you know, and that's what the Premier League shows time and time again. Whenever you start to think that way, when you treat a game that way, it often comes and bites you on the backside, and you you end up with egg on your face. And that's very much what happened to Arsenal that day. We were played out of our skins, and and they were well below par. Um, but I'll take it. I don't care. We won. We yeah. beat them at Highbury 3-0 yeah, right um, against Arsenal, <laughs> Arsene Wenger. And, 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 and to add the icing on the cake, the little, the little, little sprinkles of it on, on the end, they were your team. So it makes it even sweeter. Yeah. Maybe you knew back then that there was a plucky young six-year-old from Hobart who many years later you'd be mm. you know, self-isolating and you'd be having a, a drink of red wine on a podcast, and you would be able to to share this moment just to disappoint it. I know, isn't it amazing how the, how the wonderful world works? It's just it was fate. It was fate that we got yep. together, and you're an Arsenal fan. Yep. And I'm, I might I, I have to add that you weren't always an Arsenal fan, though, were you? I was. I've been an Arsenal fan six pro- since I was probably six. Yeah, but you only became months, an Arsenal you? fan because a friend of yours got so annoyed with their team losing, he got rid of all his gear <laughs> and gave it to you, and that's how well, you became that, an Arsenal I- fan. Well, no, I will say that I was an Arsenal fan, but I hadn't, I didn't have any gear, I didn't have any way of watching the game, and then yes, it was. I was over at uh, Matthew Lutchell's place. It was right, and he, his brother uh, just threw in the towel. He said, "No, I can't, I can't be doing this," um, and and he turned into a Liverpool fan. So I guess. He's probably got the last laugh on that one. Um, and then, funny you should mention, because Alex Lutchell got married on the weekend. So, Did he? I mean, Congratulations, if, yeah, Alex. So if, so if Liverpool don't win the league, uh, it's still been a very <laughs> a good year for, <laughs> yeah. for the Lutchell family. Mark, it's been a, another enjoyable episode, even though we're not uh, together. And uh, obviously, we've got no real sport to talk about. But uh, thanks for listing your, your favourite uh, classic matches of all time. Uh, make sure you head to the Optusport app uh, and get stuck into these classics, these mini classics that are, are constantly being uploaded because there's some absolute dynamite ones. And by the way, my favourite game of all time is Australia versus Japan in 2006 World Cup. I think just just for just to put that one in there, Mark. That was 
Uh, yeah, but hang on, hang on. We're, we're, we're about least. Premier League, though. We're not talking about globally or internationally. I mean, I've got different games as well. But like, talk about Premier League. What's your favourite Premier League game of all time? Um, controversial. Can I can I suggest a game between two Premier League sides, but not in the Premier League? Champions League last year, Tottenham, Man City. Yeah, but it has to. No, nah, it has to be Premier League. It has to be Premier League game. We're talking Premier all League. Right. Come on, uh, you know, in your short lifespan, there's got to be something that you that, that caught yeah. your eye. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there might have been one or two. I'd probably say in that case, if you if you're being that much of a, um, you know, well, we're talking Premier League. Oh, me, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I'd say, Man City QPR. I'd say that's probably the best. I, I did think of that one. That that was yeah. pretty special. I mean, like from the neutral perspective, the drama. Last game of the season to be down two 0 come back to score in such you know circum under such immense pressure late in the game to take the title out of the hands of their biggest rival was yeah was was pretty much it was yeah it's for your for your generation I get that yeah definitely yeah and also when Danny Welbeck scored against Leicester in their winning season that was pretty good too that was a good game. What, what did it mean for, for for Arsenal though? Let's be honest. Yeah, but no. no what, what did it mean? Time. What did it mean? Yeah, but, Jack all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you are I, such a biased Arsenal fan. Honestly, you make me just, oh, honestly, it's ridiculous. So it was a, a nice little bottle of wine that we've got here, the Louis Jadot 2018. It's taken a little while to. I mean, I don't even know what type of wine this is because it it's taken a while to decipher the French, but it's. It's quite fruity, um, and also it does say from from Google Translate that they suggest to serve it with light meat, a poultry, and cheese. Okay, nice. Have you enjoyed the wine? I have enjoyed it. I think it's really nice. And and again, so it's it's kind of like on that Merlot Pinot Noir kind of yeah. sort of uh, side of the of the spectrum because you know when you talk about a light meat with a cheese, and I can see that working really really well. I I, I think that's. That's that's really nice, and I mean, you talk about the lightness of it. It's got a bit of a fruity feel. It's got some depth, but but it's it's not not long. It's not a long depth. It's it's a it's a quite a short lived one, and it's a typical for me of a, of a Pinot or a Merlot. So I'll get things uh, underway if you'd like, Mark. Um, so here on the Two Sharp Reds, I'm sure you know, is we do like to compare the bottle of wine that we're drinking to a player past or present. And there's one thing that that really stood out to me when I got the Google Translate up. Uh, and they said that you suggest to drink it within the first three years. Uh, uh, clearly, it's best three years um, because it, it is a it is a good wine. It's a fruity wine. It's slightly exciting, uh, but it's quite clear that that it's not one of those wines um, that gets better with age. And for that in mind, as soon as I thought of it, I thought it's a Theo Walcott wine. It really is. You know, drink consume within the first three years, and then you are going to absolutely. Love it and get excited by it, uh, but after that, it's going downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, and it's, I think that's a, a good analogy, that a good comparison. Um, and and I'm going along with similar lines. You know, I, I I very much the say, you know, it's got a bit of fruitiness to it, fruity feel to it. It has a little bit of depth, um, and it did, it kind of was, it was there for a little bit and then faded away. Um, it's quite lightweight. Um, and I think the thing about the first three years is very, very uh, hit a hit a hit a right note for me. Um, so when I was at Fulham, we signed John Arnarisa, and he was a fantastic player when he was at Liverpool. Fantastic, 
So that was his early part of his career. I got him, unfortunately, probably for his last three years of his career. He lost that probably about, uh, well, it was almost like he was running on one leg for most of the time. Lovely, lovely guy. You know what? Um, lovely guy. But once he lost that pace, the rest of his game really suffered. Um, but, you know, immense amount of experience, accomplished a lot in the game. Brilliant guy. Um, so I'm going to say John Anarisa. I thought I did think you said uh, John Aloisi. No, John um, Aloisi. That, that would have been better, but <laughs> no, 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 Johnny, no, Johnny's Johnny's like a fine wine, mate. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you do you sometimes talk to talk about when you both took your shirts off in two thousand five? We, we funny, and, funny and, enough, and it looked funny yeah. enough. We we may we may talk about it every now and then. We may come <laughs> up in conversation. Every time I see him, <laughs> what, who had the better look? Who had the better look? A tight uh, vest top mate, or, I, or an Austin Powers rug? I, mate, I, I at least knew at that stage in my career, don't take your top off. Mm. He, he should have known better. And it was an ongoing joke for a long, long time actually. And saying, <laughs> what is he thinking? What is Johnny doing? Well, you're not thinking though, that, and that's fair enough, aren't you? You just—it's just a yeah, but it, it was also a total it, state of. It was also a time when footballers. There were some who were who were obviously very, you know, physique-wise, were very good shape and everything else. But it wasn't really the thing that a lot of guys would go in the gym and do a lot of work and everything else and look after themselves. It became apparent more afterwards. Um, and, and, and people started to really use it a lot more now. And it's like, you know, you see your Ronaldo's um, in the press all the time and always showing off his body because of how wonderful. And which is, I understand, because he works incredibly hard and go for it. You know what? Vanity's there, go on. He loves it. He, he's probably one of the most vain men in the world. Go for it. And he's got the body, he's got the physique, he's ripping up the records, go for it. And if he didn't do it, what would you have to put on your walls? You know, if he didn't do that. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. Uh, how did, I, I can't believe you found you saw them. I, I didn't realise, I thought I had hid them from you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, there's another episode of the Two Shut Reds. There might not be any football on for the moment, but you can guarantee on myself and Mark to provide some great chatter every week here on the Two Shut Reds. And do check out Optus Sport for those mini classic games. They're sensational. Uh, I probably won't watch that game you played uh, with Arsenal, but a few of those other ones, Mark, I reckon I'm going to get my teeth stuck into today. I think it's highly recommendable, mate. I think you should watch it and watch and learn. 